You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome, awesome. Kia ora mai. How are you today? Hey, I'd just like to do, if I could, just a little extra promo on the small groups. You know, if we actually want our churches to grow larger, we've also got to get smaller. Because there's only so much church that can happen here on a Sunday. But actually, there's a lot of church that can happen in small groups. So sign up one today uh, out the back there. Follow the, the stickers on the floor. You should be able to follow those easily enough. But uh, I'd just like to confirm that, um, yeah, I, I did not only come up to Whangarei and not find our son, but we came up to Whangarei and found out I got another son. Because the phone rang, and it was Jaden's number. And I was like, oh, hi, son. And I hear this, hey, Dad. And I was like, who's that? Turned out it was Asher. So, um, and he literally was Jaden's voice for him on the way back from camp. So, hello, son. <laughs> hey, I bring you greetings from your Elam whanau down in Marlborough in the wine country of New Zealand who have just as glorious mornings as you are having here. Only it's about 10 degrees colder. So, um, they're minus, they were, they were, sorry, two degrees this morning down at home. So, I'm glad I got my firewood in. Hey, you're loving Jesus. Can we, can we just give it up for the worship team this morning? That was next level. That was next level. I'm not, I'm not known for my dance skills. My wife thought I was driving a car, but I couldn't stand still in that, that song. So uh, good on you, worship team. That was outstanding. Yeah. Hey, how many of you have heard the phrase carpe diem? What, what does it mean? Seize the day. That's right. Seize the day. It means making the most of the time that you have right in front of you right now. I, I want to I give you another phrase this morning that I want to encourage you to live by. Not just carpe diem, but here's the other phrase, quorum deo. Quorum deo. It's a Latin phrase meaning living in the presence of God. Living with the understanding that you can stand, that you can live, that you can operate, you can live, breathe, and, and, and party or work hard, but all the time in the presence of the living God. You know, understanding that living quorum, that, that whole thing about living quorum deo, you know what it does? It literally sets us free in this mindset. That if you are living in the presence of God, if you are doing exactly what God has called you to do, if you are who you are because you know that you are who you are because God called you to be that, it means it doesn't matter what you do, it's sacred. It literally is sacred. If you are a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad raising your children in the Word of God, is there anything, is there anything more sacred than that? Raising that next generation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, a doctor, a mechanic, a, 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 a shelf stacker in the supermarket. What you do, if you are living quorum Deo, it means it's as sacred as anybody who does what I or what Jaden or Suzanne do. The only thing is that what you do is different to what I do. Do you realize the statistics indicate that only 5% of all believers end up doing what, what me and my sons do? That means 95% of you are not going to be pastors. Does that mean you don't walk? Does that mean you don't walk in the presence of God every single day? Heck no, I hope not. I hope not. It means you should live courtroom deo wherever you are. Wherever you are. It's not about what you do, it's about whom you do it for. 
whom you do it for. Through the Holy Spirit, we're enabled to walk in this truth, work in this truth. And that means you can walk and work and live and breathe in the presence of the living God, regardless of the sphere of society that you live in. That you can literally be a walking, talking, atmosphere change agent for the kingdom of God wherever you are. Do you realize, I mean, I want you to think about this. Do you realize how blessed your neighbors are to live next door to you? Come on, you should lean over the fence one day and say, hi, my name's, uh, you know, hi, my name's Tom. You're blessed. And they go, how do you figure that? Because you live next door to me. Or how do you figure that? Because I've got the living God living with me. And you can too. Come to Elam Whangarei on Sunday. We'll tell you more. I want you to consider this. I want you to consider this. What buried hope do you still have in there? And you know it's actually there. Is Jesus challenging you to believe again? Are you willing to live quorum Deo? Are you willing to allow God to raise that again and bring it into the living presence of God so that you can walk and talk and live and breathe quorum Deo? I believe, I'm convinced, and have been since October last year, God started to speak into me about this particular message or part of it and from October last year that God is going to put a call on us those of us who say Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and those who of us are yet to find out, uh, that he's actually calling us to live like that. Not to call, he's not calling us to live imprisoned, constricted and restricted and broken and busted. He's calling us to live whole. He's calling us to live free. He's calling us to live quorum Deo. So if you're taking notes this morning, and you should, because those who take notes go to heaven. Um, my message this morning is called, Now What? Now What? Figuring out this next. Come on, can we lean in? Can we pray? Let's make this a holy moment. Lord God, would you come right now? Your word is living. It's active. It's powerful. It's now. It's current. It's relevant. Would you plant it so deep in our hearts? Would you activate it so powerfully in our spirit and in our soul that we literally, when we breathe in, we breathe you. And when we breathe out, we breathe you. Lord God, would you have your way in this place right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, if, if you're struggling with that question, now what? If you're wrestling with the figuring out, how do I figure out this next? Then I would like to suggest that there's probably two questions that you need to get the answer to first. So last week, we continued the ECC series, preaching series that's happening throughout the campus on Chasing Shadows, where we're looking at the, the foreshadowing of Jesus through the Old Testament. And we're just going to take a wee pause on that today, because last week I, I, I taught on Joseph and Jesus, and I, I spoke about Joseph knowing his identity in Christ. And Jesus, he knew who he was. He was the son of the living God. Yeah, but I really want to just really drill into that whole identity thing this morning. So we're going to take a pause on that series, but this is kind of like a, just an enhancer of it. These two questions need to be answered. What is my identity and who is my identity set by? These questions are so important to get answers to. And um, some time ago, uh, Suzanne, my amazing wife, the mother of this incredible young man, and the grandmother of two gorgeous little girls. <laughs> Thank you, Jaden and Nas. You make great kids. She preached on identity back home. And this is what she said. We need to know who we are because the devil regularly pulls us over and asks us for our ID. Yeah. 
regularly. Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church in the U.S. says this, if you can't see who you are supposed to be, you can't be who you are meant to be. And then who likes a bit of Dr. Seuss? There is no one alive who is youer than you. Actually, that's straight out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, prepared for a good work which He went beforehand so that you could walk in. Come on, there is no one on this planet who is youer than you, and you are you because God made you. Amen. Let's go home. No, no, I've got a bit more to say first. <laughs> now, for a preacher, it's really easy for me to preach on, you know, you've got to know what your identity is and all this sort of stuff. It's an easy topic to preach on. But when I start to drill into the, but who sets your identity? Oh, there's a little bit of contention around that because honestly, if we're brutally honest with each other, we all want to be the master of our own destiny, don't we? We want to be in control. Don't like to be out of control. But here's the thing. If Jesus Christ is truly your Lord and Savior, then he is also the master of your destiny and the setter of your identity. Those songs that we sang this morning, oh my goodness, what a, I mean, they, the, the team had no idea what I was preaching on this morning, but far out, what a platform to come and preach from. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship, and, and you know what, I reckon God just shows off every morning and night, you know, sun, sun rises, sun sets, he's just very, very, very good, and he even makes him a little bit different wherever you are, it's just how good he is, but you know, people have been worshiping the creation instead of the creator for eons. And we might come to a point where we stutter and we stammer about God's holiness and we may even tremble about his majesty, but we grow skittish and argumentative when we start to talk about God's authority. Boy, just went very quiet. Before the face of a holy and yet fully compassionate God, we tend towards resistance because we actually protest. We don't, we don't want to accept his absoluteness. He is absolute. He is absolutely God and his word is absolute. I was talking a little bit about this with the men yesterday morning at our men's breakfast. What a great feed. All you need to say is bacon and men will come. You know, I saw a thing on Facebook. We're planning a men's camp down at home and we've got a bit of a chat going on Messenger. And one of the guys put up says, there are those who love bacon and then there are those who are wrong. Um, <laughs> But I was talking about absolutes yesterday, and you know, the world is trying to remove absolutes. And I said, well, actually, if someone wants to say there are no absolutes, you take them up in a plane, and you push them out the door without a parachute, and then say gravity is not absolute. Absolutes do exist, and they exist before a reason. And we argue, and we get skittish around God's absoluteness, but... When we argue, we, we tend towards resistance. We don't want to accept that he's absolute because we favor a mindset of God being a God of unreachable justice and unreachable wrath. And we have this mindset. And I'm, I'm stunned over the years of being a pastor. How many Christians, when you talk about God, they immediately in their mind, they, they have a Zeus-like figure in their minds. What am I talking about? The Greek, the, the, the chief of the Greek pantheon of gods who sits on a marble throne with a handful of lightning bolts just waiting for us to screw up. Yeah, they say lightning doesn't hit in the same place twice. If God was Zeus, I'm fried. <laughs> 
But actually, that's not what God is. The scriptures, the, the scriptures describe Zeus. This is what it says. Carved of stone with eyes that can't see, ears that can't hear, a mouth that can't speak. He's just rock. Yet the God we worship is a God of love and compassion and, yes, holiness, yes, righteousness. But in that holiness and righteousness, there is immeasurable forgiveness and immeasurable justice and compassion and mercy. And here's the whole package. But we quickly protest and we quickly lean towards that, that, that wrath justice God. And we do it because what we do, we, we give ourselves an out. We say, well, how could, how could he love me? How, how, how can a God like that, how can I measure up? If, or, if only you knew what I did, or if you only knew what I'm like. And, and we do that because I, I, I would like to suggest we go there because our relationship with God only goes so deep. Because actually, we don't want to accept his absoluteness, and we don't want to let him set our identity we don't want to let him be the master of our destiny. I'm overwhelmed at God's patience with me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man, I must keep him busy. And yet when I, read, when I read the Word of God, let me take you to through some scriptures. 1 John 4, verse 10. This is love. He loved us before we loved, before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He, he proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. John 3, verse 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Romans 5, 8. But, God, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place whilst we were still lost and ungodly. Last week, I, I spoke about the comparisons with Joseph and Jesus. And Joseph was so beloved by his father that he got a garment that was priceless above everything else in this family. We also talked about Jesus as he was baptized. He came up and the very voice of God from heaven said, this is my beloved son. In whom I'm well pleased. Those same words are for you from God. Those very same words. I've been meditating on this for some time. And, and just the other day, just recently, I was reading the Word of God. And I was like, oh, I had a heart check. I got hit. It was like an all-black forward running at me full sprint. Literally flattened me whilst I'm sitting in bed. I almost spilled my coffee. And, and this is my thinking. I was reading about God's love for me and the fact that he loved me even though I was before you know, I was still lost and ungodly. And suddenly I had this mindset. It was like, oh my goodness, the, the, the do and get mindset. I repent so that I'll get forgiven. And I suddenly had this awakening moment that if my relationship with God is as deep as I really want to, I don't, I don't repent to get. I repent because. I repent because. That through Jesus Christ, I am already forgiven. I don't repent to receive forgiveness. I repent because I'm forgiven. I don't, I don't turn from my self-centered, I want to be my own God mindset in the hope that I'll be forgiven. No, 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 no. The forgiveness was there even whilst I was still lost and ungodly. Even while I was still lost and ungodly. I just got a real prompt right there. You know, I, I, I grew up in a church-going home. 
My earliest memory of my childhood was going downstairs into the basement of our church in Alberta, Canada, going to a, a pancake breakfast before church. I was born in Canada. And um, my earliest, earliest memory, I mean, I've, you know, you hear about, um, you watch movies and about military families that move all over the place and the kids are called military brats. I'm a church brat. I've been to every Protestant church there is on the radar. And uh, so I've been raised in, in church. I've been raised in the Bible but even I had to come to a place where I realized that without Jesus in my heart, I was still lost and I was still ungodly. And when I realized how much God loved me, that's what made me repent. As sons and daughters who live before the face of God, we can boldly and creatively dare to work in any sphere of society. We can impact effectively and put our service and gifts to work. And it's on this revelation and it's on this full repentance that we can then wholeheartedly follow the instruction from the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, As beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies be? To surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices. To live in, and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights of His heart. For this becomes our genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. You can do this. You can do that. You got this with Jesus. You know, his goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend, but it is not beyond our ability to experience. I want you to think about that. Just let that bake your noodle a little bit this morning. His goodness is it's measurable and it's almost incomprehensible, but it is so profound it is undeniable, and it is not beyond our ability to experience. Acts 17 verse 28a, the first part of verse 28, it is through him that we live and function and have our identity. This makes an enormous difference in how we live. When we know who we are and who sets our identity and we own that and we live in that, then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 comes into power. This, or the confidence of my calling or the confidence of my identity enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. For I have an intimate revelation of this God, and my faith in Him convinces me that He is more than able. Those three words right now, more than able. Someone needs to grab hold of those. I just threw a baseball out. Someone jump up and catch that. More than able to keep all that I have placed in His hands safe and secure until the fullness of His appearing. What do we have to do? Place it in His hands. Place it in His hands. Um, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm a pastor, you know that. I'm an Elam pastor in Blenheim. But every week I get together with a number of other pastors from around Marlborough. We go to a local cafe on Thursday mornings at 9 o'clock and they put us in the back table in the furthest corner because we're always the noisiest guys in the cafe. And there's at least two or three churches every Sunday, up, uh, sorry, every Thursday, up to seven churches, something where we just get together, we talk shop, and we encourage each other, and we we rip each, we uh, we actually we seriously rip it out of each other. Our pastors can be so callous. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's called iron sharpening iron. Let's just give it a scriptural context. <laughs> 
um, and, and we talk about this stuff, and, and we, what, what are you teaching and everything? And, and one of the pastors that was there, he and I were talking about this, and he, this, he said to me, he said, you know what, sometimes we got to look into different languages and different cultures to get a deeper and a more profound understanding of what we're teaching. Now, I tell you what, that stuff lights a fire in me, man. It lights my fires and spins my tires. And I was like, whoa, 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 what are you saying? What are you saying? Because we were talking about this identity and stuff like this. And he took me on a journey and he told me what he had discovered in our own indigenous language in Te Reo Māori. And he started to unpack it. And I was like, mate, mate, can I teach that this Sunday? Because I was preaching on identity. He's like, can I teach that this Sunday? And he was like, ah, oh, I'm going to teach it to my church. We were listening to the same Holy Spirit. Funny thing that, eh? When you're sold out for Jesus, it doesn't matter the color of your flag. It matters who's the king that the flag represents. Amen? We're all ice cream. We're just different flavors. Who likes ice cream in the house? <laughs> you want chocolate for breakfast on Sunday, Jaden? Give me ice cream. And I, so I said, hey, can I teach this? And he goes, yeah, okay. He was teaching his congregation the very same thing that Sunday morning. And so this, if I give you this phrase, Jesus Christ is my God. And there, was, there was some really good, there was some really good Pentecostal, mm, right then. Mm, that was a really holy, mm. But here's the thing, when you run that phrase through the filter and the microscope of our own today or Māori language, and if you take the word my, just a little one, M-Y, and if we put that in the filter, you can say it two different ways. And here it is up on the screen. Koihu karaiti toku atua, or koihu karaiti taku atua. And it is really, really important that we get the my right in this phrase. Let me explain why. If I was to say, Jesus Christ is my God, koihu karaiti toku atua, it means this. Jesus Christ is my God because I am subordinate to and I am submitted to Him. But if I was to say, koihu koraiti taku atua, then it says, Jesus Christ is my God because I have possession of and am superior to him. Scary, eh? I think the devil kept running around going taku instead of toku because he wanted to be superior to God. So here we have an example of how we can just rattle off this amazing Christian phrase, Jesus Christ is my God. And we go, yes and amen. But actually, do we know the depth and the profoundness of what we're saying? So when it comes to him setting my identity in Christ and him setting my identity, my identity comes from and is set in Jesus Christ my God, called taku tuakirimai, i a ihu karaiti toku atua. I can take possession of my identity. I can own my identity. I can have my identity. Why? Because I have submitted my heart to Christ. I have submitted myself to the, to the Lord of heavens and earth. I can own who I am because I have submitted to the one who gave me who I am. You can live and breathe and walk. You can live and have your, move, your being. You can own that life. But you've got to get the rest of the verse. It says, for in him I live and move and have my being. Yeah. 
You know what? Every person possesses an identity and a purpose hidden within a treasure that begs to be released. And only God, who created us, has a perfect prescription for its full release. Now, two major things happen when we get this and we allow it to marinate our heart and fill our soul and empower our spirit. The first thing is this. It takes the emotion out. Now, this not, I'm not talking about flatlining and become emotionless, but let me explain. If we're not careful, we can make a life-changing decision based on a temporary feeling. And our, our, our emotions will try and manipulate and, and, and control us. And You know, stepping into the next, now what? Figuring out this next, stepping into that, is, it can be pretty scary. It really can. Sometimes we find comfort clinging to our old ways. And, and this is predominantly an emotional-driven response. You know what? Even our old, familiar, horrible regrets seem safe because they're comfortable. We might not know the sort of courage or, or the attitude adjustment that's needed, but moving into the next requires a spiritual discipline. And so when you know who you are in Christ, when you allow Christ to set that identity, not only does it take the emotion out of it, but it then releases you into management. The management of your calling, the management of your life becomes easy because once you have your God-centered identity locked in, you live life based on his principles, not on your feelings. And management beats argument every time. The scriptures say to take every vain imagination captive. To tear down the things that raise themselves against the knowledge of Christ. Why do they raise themselves against the knowledge of Christ? Because they want control. They want you to feel happy and comfortable and safe. And you know, the only place to be truly happy, to be truly safe, is in Him. Toku Atu. Management beats argument every time. It takes honesty, born in prayer, to know that what your real issues are and to manage your decisions accordingly. Your emotions will say, oh, but you should do, I mean, look, as a pastor, I've, I've literally had people say, how can it be wrong if it feels so good? Dear Lord, help me now. The scriptures talk about that. Honey on the lips, gravel in the tummy. Why is this so important? Well, it's kind of wrapped up. Sarah, if you would please come. When we wrap this up, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then, guess what? Then, every plan you make will succeed. Why? Management beats argument every time. He will give you the strength. He will give you the strength. He will give you the strength. He will give you the someone over in this section of the church. He will give you the strength. He will give you the strength right now. He will give you the strength. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your promises, you'll give us the strength. Lord, right now, whatever that battle is, Holy Spirit, would you come supernaturally give the strength 
right now, Spirit of the living God, we, we take hold of every vain imagination that raises itself up against the knowledge of Christ and tries to argue with your absoluteness. And we break its power. Right now, every demonic force that holds a sword, I declare supernatural weakness over that. Let the sword fall to the floor. And I loose, Lord, I've bound now. I loose in the name of Jesus, your anointing, the strength, the strength, Lord, to break through without shame. In Jesus' name. Whoever you are, there is a ministry team in this church who would consider it an honor to stand with you and pray with you. The Word of God says, if two agree concerning anything on earth, our Father in heaven will act on that. I want to wrap this. I want to bring this all in. My my background is in aviation engineering. Most of the guys know who came to the breakfast yesterday. I served for 20 years in the Royal New Zealand Air Force. And in my engineering trade, we had a thing called a go-no-go gauge which literally set the parameters of the go and the no-go. This works, this doesn't. One of the things I had to do was I literally had to test all the what was called stator vanes. They're the blades that are in a jet engine. So if you go to the airport and you're looking out the window and you see that big disc spinning in the engine, each one of those blades is called a stator vane. And in a fighter jet, the tolerance on a stator vane, in other words, it can only be sort of out of shape. The tolerance is one micron. That's one ten thousandth of an inch. Because the last thing you want is when that disc is spinning like it is, the last thing you want is one of those to let go because it crashes and burns big time. And so I used to have this go, no-go gauge, and I would sit there and I would test every single state of vein. And, and if it was no good, I'd have to throw it out because I didn't want the jet engine to blow up. You know, the Word of God is so full of go, no-go gauges. Wow. I want to give you one this morning that God has been hammering into my spirit since October last year. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a draconian, yes, no, yes, no. It's a, I want to be there with you. I want to be there with you. If you will come to me, if you will allow me to set your identity, if you will allow me to grow you into your identity, then we are going to have a party together. Here is this go, no, go gauge. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. If you, are a, if you have a willing heart to let me help you, and if you will obey me, you will feast on the blessings of an abundant harvest. Now, I'm not talking about fruit and veg. The abundant harvest that God has you, it'll be different for every single one of you. But the parameters are this, abundant. (laughs) More than you need. So you can share it with everyone else. Oh, what did he say to Abraham? We talked about this last week. I will bless you to be a blessing. But here's the, here's the go, no, gay. go, no, go. If you have a willing heart to let me help you, and if you will obey me. This morning, what does that mean? If you will say yes to Jesus, allow Him to heal and restore your hearts and step into the identity that He has set for you, trusting His plan for you, then your lives will never be the same again. But they will go from blessing to blessing. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.